the Boston players love But Michael Jordan is not only the best basketball player, but he's the most exciting basketball player to ever play. Tatum fires away, pumps it in. The Big Three NBA Podcast is powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome to another edition of the Big Three NBA Podcast. I'm a host, Ashraf Blake, joined today by a different configuration of the Big Three. We've got our stalwart in the building, Gary Washburn, College of the Boston Globe, and we have CLNS Media's Joe Sway Pavone. Welcome to the Big Three NBA podcast, Joe Sway. How you doing? I, I appreciate it, fellas. Appreciate the invite. This, this should be yeah. fun. Yeah, since we are a big three, and one of our big three, Quandy Lunas, is not able to be. Uh, I think we got a little load management going on with Quandy. You know, it's a long season. Quandy needs to get some rest. Uh, man, not mind you, she's the youngest one on the team, but that's another story altogether. But she did a little bit. <laughs> uh, but we got Joe Sway in the building. We're going to be talking a lot about. The end season tournament, with this, which the Celtics are going to be a part of. Uh, before we get too deep into the podcast, I want to give a special shout out to our good friends at Indeed.com, HelloFresh, and FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston. And new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Now, again, when you get a chance, definitely download this podcast. Uh, it, it's available on all your different podcast apps. Uh, subscribe and give us the gift that never gets old or moldy. And that's a five-star review before you leave. Now, we're just going to jump right into things. Celtics with uh, the win over the Philadelphia 76 with the other night, 125-119. Boston now moves on to the NCAA tournament where they will be they will be playing the Indiana Pacers on Monday in the knockout round. Joe Sway, my man. What are you expecting in that first that first game against? Them? I'm expecting a lot of what we've seen from the Celtics of late, and I'm talking about the good version of the Celtics, right? The second half, fourth quarter, whatever you want to call it, wherever they get, whenever they reach the point where they're like, okay, we have to stop messing around and, and get this W, and I think that's going to come in a, in a big way against this Pacers team because I think they're they're really into this now. I think they're into the in season tournament now. I mean, obviously, everyone is sort of was kind of trying to figure out what is what it's really about and, you know, the fans and everything. But I think because of the advance of the next round, I think the, the fan base is behind them. And I think that's the same the the, the same thing for uh, all the teams across the league, right? A lot of their fans are now into this thing because it's, it's down to single game elimination. It's, it's exciting now. And I think we're going to get a competitive game. So, yeah, look, the way the Indiana Pacers have been playing lately – you know, Halliburton and, you know, uh, we're going to wait and see which version of Buddy Hill shows up because I think that's re- very important for the uh, for the Pacers. We could really have a, you know, down to the wire na- nail biter. And I still like the Celtics' chances of, 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 of winning, though. You know, I think it's going to be a, a it won't be easy against this Pacers team, even though the last time these two teams met, it was uh, the, the the biggest blow I've ever been a part of as, the, as a member of the media. <laughs> so but I don't think we're going to see that version of the Pacers this time. Yeah, and, and Gary, I wanted you to, to touch on that, that the blowout dynamic, which is obviously something that the patients, they ain't forgot about. I mean, when you get that ass look like that, you don't forget about that anytime. <laughs> yeah, for real. How much of a factor, Gary, do you think that's going to be in terms of motivation, focus, all those type of intangible things that we talk about when you're seeing a team uh, for the second or third or fourth time? Yeah, I think it's going to be a big-time motivator for the Pacers. And remember, in that game, Tyrese Halliburton did not play. So you're talking about uh, they haven't faced him this year. He is playing at an all-star level, putting up the big numbers. 
But I watched my, uh, Indiana. Um, they played Miami again tonight. I watched another night where they had a big lead against the Heat and then just kind of gave it up in the fourth quarter. They are not a flawless team. They're a team that's not great defensively. You thought acquiring Bruce Brown along with Miles Turner and kind of a you know crash guy and a guy like Aaron Neesmith and some of those you would get a really strong defense, but they can give up some points. So you saw that game a couple of weeks ago against Atlanta where it was like 155 to 152 uh, in regulation. Um, I think they lost that game. So this is a team that gives up points, but they can score points with the best of them when they're on, when Buddy Heald is right, like Joe Sway said, and, you know, Halliburton is a guy who can drop 30, 35 points on that unorthodox jumper he has, you know, and you're talking about a guy like a Bruce Brown, you're talking about, you know, uh, Nimhard, who I think is a nice player that a lot of people talk about, and, and Turner. So this is a team that's da- dangerous, but, you know, the Celtics should win if they play their A or B game. I mean, I don't think this is a team that's like, I think quite honestly, they got the best matchup of possible. Like you don't want to, you ain't trying to play Milwaukee yet. The Knicks, I think the Knicks are more talented than the Pacers. You know, you don't want to play the Knicks. So this is a good matchup, you know, for a team that, you know, the Pacers went 4-0 and in the, you know, play-in tournament. And I think they're like 6-8. and eight in the other game. So maybe they just about to play in. Maybe they about that playing life. <laughs> in season tournament life. My fault. Not playing. <laughs> my fault. My fault. I'm still making that mistake. As, yeah. that, as, as Gary alluded to, the, the Boston Indiana winner, they'll travel to Las Vegas uh, for, I guess, the in season tournament final four, if you will. Uh, and they'll face the winner of the New York Milwaukee uh, game. And that game will be December 7th in Vegas. And then the teams that win there going to the championship, uh, that'll be December 9th, also in Las Vegas. And as much as we want to focus, obviously, on what's happening on this side of the bracket, it, 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 you got to take a minute to look at what's happening on the other side. Uh, and then you've got the Pelicans. They're playing the Sacramento Kings in one matchup out west. And then you've got, to me, the premier knockout round matchup. Uh, the Phoenix Suns against the Los Angeles Lakers. And, and Gary, I'm just curious. I mean, I, I don't know how much you, you've seen those four teams play, but uh, am I a little bit – I mean, am I thinking crazy that there's one team among those four that probably doesn't seem like a logical fit to be there, and that's the Pelicans? Yeah, but the Pelicans in their playing game beat the Nuggets, and so that kind of knocked the Nuggets out of whatever, right? So it, it, that was a weird kind of funky group there where the Pelicans ended up being kind of like the best team. And I said, catching Denver on a, on a, on a night where they struggled. And so they ended up like taking control. I think, I think, I think it was like Denver, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans. I forgot the other team. I think it might've been Memphis. I, I forgot the other team that was in that group. I think Memphis was in the, the, the Lakers in uh Phoenix bracket, but um, New Orleans is a team that's very dangerous, and we haven't seen them a lot. They haven't done national television. I think people are kind of over the Zion, you know, phenomena. It's like, okay, show us when you're healthy, but he's healthy. Then mm-hmm. they got, you know, Brandon Ingram, Valanchunas, you know, now C.J. McCollum is healthy. They got, you know, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy is back. Uh, the kid, the Connecticut kid, uh, Jordan, uh, boy, uh, the Hawkins. Rook, yeah, Jordan Hawkins 
who's they say shoots like Ray Allen. He's a top three-point sh- rookie shooter in the league so far. So they got talent. You know, Alvarado hasn't played much. He's been hurt. But this is a team that stacked up a bunch of guys over the last few years, made some very good drafts. We're getting Trey Murphy, getting Herb Jones, um, and, you know, bringing trading from McCollum. And now they're a team. I don't know if they're going to win. They're not going to win the West, but they're a team that's dangerous. And you catch Zion on the wrong night, you know, that dude dropped 35 and 15 and, and probably seven, eight dimes. So they're a dangerous team. That that Kings game with the Pelicans will be a track meet. That'll be a fun game to watch. Absolutely. And, and just when looking at the other side of that bracket where you got Phoenix and, and the Lakers, you know, two of the – they've been, you know, I, I don't want to call them perennial powers, but they've been in the top tier uh, out west for a few years now. Uh, what are you expecting to see out of that matchup? You know, it's interesting. The way LeBron's been playing lately, like showing that, you know, he's, he's aging like fine wine. I, I feel like this opportunity for the Lakers is is LeBron's way of saying like, hey, we're still here. You know what I mean? We, we can still win the Western Conference. And let's face it, going coming into the regular season, not a lot of people would mention the Lakers as one of the top tier teams, kind of more of a question mark as opposed to the other teams, that, you know, the, the top tier ones, the, obviously the champion Denver Nuggets. And even I feel like even the Sacramento Kings are sort of getting in some certain conversations. You know, it's, it's kind of like everyone's just waiting to see what the Lakers are going to look like by the middle of the season. No one's kind of giving them that benefit of the doubt. And I think LeBron's taking that personal. You know, he's taking, he, he wants to go out there and I think because because this is the first year of this and everyone's sort of like, you know, trying to – the excitement starting to build up. I think LeBron is, is – he likes that, you know. I, I think he sees that as an opportunity for, for them to, uh, to to come up big, go to the championship game in Vegas. And I think that that's something that can bring this team together. So I really like the Lakers' chances in this one. Um, I, I, it's going to be a good matchup. Um, the, the, like, like Gary just said about the, the Kings and, uh, and Pelicans game, I think you'll get a really exciting game in this one as well. Um, I just wonder uh, with the Phoenix Suns, you know, them trying to – find their continuity i know they found some somewhat of that balance or, or at least they they got something for the fans to be confident about right the past like uh 10 games i want to say they went like seven and seven and three or so so they're starting to find their momentum but i don't know i think i like the lakers chances though I, again I, I think with lebron the way he's been playing i, I think he, he can galvanize these guys and, and and let them know like hey you know this isn't the, the nba finals but you know this is great you know this is great practice for, for that type of situation way down the road in the postseason well, I, I'd say, well, I mean, I, I think it's going to be that game, I think, is going to be the best one of the four simply because of the teams that are playing, what we're talking about at stake. And, and to be frank with you, of all these matchups, if you had to say one of these could be a conference finals preview, that's the only one that yeah, I feel comfortable saying that about. Uh, but listen, Devin Booker is a bad dude. That brother is a bad, bad man. I feel like even though Devin Booker is a name that most people in the NBA circle certainly know about and are familiar with, it feels that as though he's been kind of flying under the radar, uh, that he's a very mm-hmm. top-tier player, but you don't really hear his name talked about when you're, when you're speaking about the top 10, top 15 players that much. Maybe at the very tail end of that conversation, but I, I feel like Devin Booker is one of them dudes that sleep with him if you want to. Make the mistake and sleep with him if you want to. But I'm not going to do that. I, I think Phoenix. I think Phoenix will be the Lakers. Uh, and it's hard for me to say that because forget about LeBron for a minute. Y'all already know, and, and Gary knows this. My dude, Darvin Ham, head coach Darvin Ham. That's my guy. Uh, I love what my my guy is doing with the Lakers. Uh, but in this particular situation, I think Phoenix will. Uh, I think they'll be the team to prevail. But score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. 
Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support play it smart from the start gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234 Gary what I wanted to talk to you about Gary uh, and kind of shifting gears a little bit, uh, I want to get back to, to the Boston-Indiana match. And specifically, I want to talk about Gary, your boy, Jason Tatum. Uh, your boy has some interesting post-game. You and him had an interesting post-game. We'll just call it banter uh, after they beat Philadelphia. And uh, it, it became very clear, you know, after Tatum, just for folks who, you know, have, have not heard, uh, Tatum picked up his second technical foul near the end of the third quarter. I think it was like 2.6 seconds left. Uh, was ejected from the game, and Gary uh, asked him a little bit about that post game. And and Gary, before I put words in your mouth, because you know I can do it with the ease, uh, I want you to <laughs> <laughs> uh, just that interaction you guys had, just some just some of the things that Tatum said, you know, in, in that setting. Well, I mean, I think he was completely confused as to why he was ejected. He felt like he said he didn't say any curse words. Um, it was just a frustrating night for Jason, if you really honestly think about it. Seven turnovers. He just he 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 just was not handling the ball well. He made some bad passes that were just kind of telegraphed. There was just a lot going on with Jason last night. He just wasn't himself. Six for nine from the field. He got to the free throw line, but he missed two free throws. He just was not himself. Twenty-one points. I know in twenty-one points in three quarters, and that's not good, Jason. That's a good sign for the Celtics because you know. I mean, he could drop 50 if he on, on, on any particular night. But I, th- I felt like he was just kind of like, I don't know why I got thrown out. So I asked him the last question, like, what would you do when you get thrown out? Like, what happens? Do you, do you throw stuff? Because obviously you get tossed, even though you're like, you know, maybe not upset about what happened. You're upset about getting thrown out. Like, you're like, wait a minute, I ain't say nothing. Yeah. Damn, fuck this right. and all that, right? <laughs> So can't play anymore, right? Yeah, like you upset, but he was just kind of just like I wasn't freaking, you know, effing uh, bad, you know. He, I didn't throw nothing. I just chilled, iced up, and watched the watch the rest of the game. So, bro, stuff. What do you do in the minutes after you're rejected before you chill and watch the game? Again, I wasn't that. Mad, like, <laughs> don't put that narrative out there. I didn't throw nothing. I said what I said. There was no magic words. I didn't cuss. Assistant coaches right there, you heard me. I don't know. They, maybe they didn't want me to play tonight. They was eager to get me out of there. And I walked back calmly. I sat in my chair, got some ice. I was not mad. I didn't throw anything. 
I was just like, it was like a joke. I, you know, I was like, I had to laugh it off. Uh, so no, I ain't cry, I ain't throw anything. Got my ice, watched the rest of the game, watched us win um, and got ready. You know, I think he wanted to emphasize that he was not upset that the first technical was like, okay, that was weird. And then the second one, because he basically um, thought that Covington fouled him when he ripped him. And then he kind of raised his hand up and hit Covington in the mouth, uh, trying to retrieve the ball. So that was a flagrant. So it was just a lot of, lot of, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. I, I was like freaking out about the fact that Bruh had seven turnovers in three quarters. That's hard. Yeah. Seven turnovers. <laughs> and, and so you don't see that. I, I, don't see I almost think that, yeah. I mean, it just we uh, chime in on this, but it, it felt as though, you know, Tatum, for whatever reason, just wasn't himself. And I don't know how much of that had to do with the fact that there was no Joel Embiid, no Tyrese Maxey. And so did he just kind of take a, maybe a deeper breath than he should have taken and just kind of eased more into the game than he probably should have? I don't know. What, I mean, what, what, what's your take on that, why he was just so... I think that's exactly what happened, Shrug. Honestly, and then the... the Right. I mean, well, as the turnovers stacked up, he's getting more frustrated. And then he's thinking that he can get those calls. And you know what? He kind of did, right? Before that last uh, technical foul, he was getting to the free throw line. And I was happy because, it, you know, Missoula made that the, the switch. I want to say around the two and a half minute mark where Jalen just, I don't know, man, he was on his own Jalen Island, I call it, right? Where he was just doing his own thing, wasn't in tune with the rest of the offense. So I thought that was a great call to put Tatum in because what did he do? He did the exact opposite. Attacking the rim, got to the free throw line a couple of times. You know, I felt like he was starting to make that switch. And then you you're upset about a call and it's sure we talked about this a lot on the Southern post game show i get it i get the frustration but when the when the refs are huddled up like that especially the way they were at half court you got to give them their space man you can't just jump in there and just because you're not swearing you know but you're doing everything else in terms of being demonstrative or, or trying to get your point across you're obviously talking over people nobody likes that you know and they already handed you a technical foul in the first quarter and let's face it Tatum has a, a history of this. Even though he's been he's been better about it this year, I give him that. I give him credit. But when he's in that mood, when he, when he's upset with his game, with all those turnovers and everything, he's chirping. You know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Maybe it's not you know something disrespectful, but the refs don't appreciate that. And I just thought in that moment, tensions are high, and and, and you know, Bill Kennedy had 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 it. But you know. Uh, Gary, I wanted to ask you this question because you were able to to talk to these guys after the game, and I'm talking about the, the the officials. Like, what was their demeanor? Did they seem like they were sort of like so hot about what happened? Like, you know, when they explained exactly what led to to Tatum being tossed, what what was their uh, what, what was their vibe like? Billy, Kimmy, absolutely not. He he was not <laughs> upset at all. He just said, "This is, I mean, this is par for his course." You know, I mean, this yeah, is, that's true. This is what Billy do. So, um, you know, I throw people out, you know, um, and, and so I know he just said, Jason, basically they told him to go back to the bench, like Jason, go back to the bench. The, you're doing too much right now. And he wouldn't do it. And then they tossed him, you know, and it was a second technical it was not because he said anything in that particular instance that would have drawn Jackson, but it was a right. second technical. If he had no technicals, he just would have gotten a technical and he would have been fine, but he got tossed because it was a second technical. So I just think Tatum needs to control. I think it was, like you said, it was a frustrating night for him. Seven turnovers, you know, there's t- I always think of two missed free throws. He just didn't seem himself. 
right? You thought, oh, no MB, no Maxi, it's Jason time. 35, 38, 39 points, you know, 12 boards, eight assists, you know, seven threes. You just thought it was going to be Jason takeover night. And it wasn't. And, you know, he struggled and he's he's had 17 turnovers in the last three games. So he's just Mm -hmm. on a turnover binge right now, you know, and, and and Jalen, as much as he was shaky, he only had three, you know. And then we, you know, Jalen, Jalen, I think is is still trying to figure things out, and still, I mean, you know, he airballed two threes uh, before he hit hit one kind of an important one in the corner, left corner in the second half. So neither of those two guys are playing at their best, and they're still winning. So that's a good sign. They, they are, yeah, for sure, yeah. That's the. That's the- that time, <laughs> sure. Well, I'm just gonna say real quick, also though. Let's be honest, man. Like it, it's not, it doesn't happen often when you see Tatum f- frustrated and upset and yelling the way he was after the uh, after the ejection. But that's got to be like a top three, top four, like the, the the most upset I've seen Tatum on the basketball on the basketball floor. So your question, Gary. I mean, I, I would I would ask the same thing. And then if you look at the replay from from the uh, from, from the TV broadcast, a lot of the exchange after he was ejected, you know, after you know, no matter what you say, you're already done playing for the night. And players typically get their you know what off, you know what they want to say, get it off their chest. I think I want to say uh, Charles Lee's covering Tatum's face. So we couldn't make out what he was saying. And okay, if he wasn't swearing, that's fine. But he was hot, man. He was upset. He was he was livid. I'd even say it, it seemed like. And if he cooled off instantly when he got to the locker room, all right, maybe he did. But that, that doesn't. You know, I mean, from what we saw, I'm asking the yeah. same thing. Just like, just yeah, like, like what did you do? Did you throw stuff? Because it's not the frustration. Maybe you just like, man, I can't believe I got thrown out. What's going on right. here? What the hell? Right. Like, they can't do that to me. I'm Jason Tatum. So, <laughs> so for me, it was it was a question to ask because you just wanted to I, – I just like – he doesn't get tossed. I think he got tossed last year in the preseason at Toronto. So he doesn't get tossed often. Right. So you want to see what his – I just wanted to kind of detail in terms of just writing about it, what his protocol was that he – immediately shower did he eat did he sit there and call somebody is you know hey man you see what they did to me so watch the game like or did he just sit the stew what happened you know and so he just you know right. when i asked like he threw stuff he was just like hell no i ain't throw nothing i'm fine i'm good you know <laughs> so it's like when someone screams, I'm not mad. It's yeah. like, oh, you sure, man? But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing that, that, that we all have to kind of come back to with this. They won. And they, yeah. they still have the best record in the NBA as they go into, you know, the knockout round of the in-season tournament. And, and we all know that whenever you, whether you're talking NCAA, NBA, WNBA, whatever, there's usually a wild card player or two that for you to be the last team standing in whatever that format may be, steps up and emerges. And I'm just curious, Joseph, who's your wild card for the Celtics? If they're going to come out of the in-season tournament as the, uh, the last team standing, who do you think is going to be that wild card guy? And Gary, I want you to answer the question after Josue does. Man, that's a good question. Um, see, I want to say like my, my go-to is is and I, I feel like you 
he may not be a wild card anymore, but I'm going to go with Derek White. You know, I just feel like when this, when the team is a lot of times throughout the season, when the team is struggling or a lot of guys just don't have it, similar to what we saw, you know, between Tatum and Brown, he stays consistent. You know what I mean? It's almost reminiscent of, of, of last year's game seven against the Heat. And I know Tatum was, you know, he was already hurt and out, out you know, throughout the whole game. But when no one else had it, he just kept doing what he needed to do. You know, nothing, nothing bothered him. And I, I think this is a great opportunity for him to, to, to show that again. You know, a lot of the opposing defenses, they, they forget about him, you know, even though he's still in the scouting reports and, you know, the way other guys have been, have, have been playing well, just the different, the, the, the makeup of this team is completely different, right? Drew Holiday and you have so many other guys. I feel like people forget about him. He's, he's been consistent. He's been consistent throughout. So I'm going to go with Derek White. What about you, G? I'm going to go with a guy like Sam Hauser hitting threes. Wide open threes. He's he's doing well. He's had a good season. He's kind of he had a slow start. He's bounced back. And you could say also Peyton Pritchard, but I I'm gonna say Sam Hauser. You know. Yeah, I was thinking Pritchard too. I thought you him know, too. Pritchard's that. a guy. You know where he um he needs to hit the open three. You know he need but he's making plays. He's doing better. He's fitting more into what they're trying to do, and he seems more comfortable out there. But Hauser's a guy. I just think he's such a weapon because now. You've got to guard him. You know, you can't just leave him alone. If you do, he's going to hit that high uh, rainbow three. And I just think that that's the, the the good thing about the Celtics. And when you cultivate players and you, you know, like, remember, like they had Max Struess and they let him go. And I think they learned a lot from, like, just letting Max Struess go. Like, we don't have a shooter. Right. And so, obviously, it's taken almost like we're two and a half years, you know, half a season, you know, he came and he didn't really contribute much. And then last year he was okay, but you know, 43.7% from three. I mean, that's, that's, a that's, that's outstanding, you know, and even Peyton Pritchard got off to a slow start. It's up to 33%. That's not good, but it's better. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and so I think that, that Hauser becomes that wild card, especially in high scoring games, where you put push the pace up, you, you you know you lose them on defense. Oh man, there he is, wide open, bam, three pointer. Yeah, yeah. Sam, the thing about Sam that that I have kind of gotten a, a little bit greater appreciation for, aside from the shooting, obviously, but the work that he puts in before games and during and during games to be a solid defender. He's not locking anybody up. He knows that. Everyone knows that. But to see teams try to go at and to see him more times than not hold his own. Uh, special shout-out to assistant coach Tony Dobbins, who I know works with Sam a lot on his defensive position. Because, again, Sam's not – he's not all up in your jersey. He just makes sure he keeps his ass between you and the rim. That's – to me, that's all yeah. he has to do. And at the other end of the floor, just knock down open shots, which he's been able to do at a fairly high clip uh, this season. And, again, that's playing to what his strengths are. But uh, yeah. I wanted to – You know what's wrong. Go ahead, Joe. No, I was just gonna say real quick. I feel like that's why he he was like in Missoula's doghouse last year. Remember that like he he would get beat constantly, especially in transition. He wouldn't get back in time, and Missoula wasn't having it. And once he fell out of that rotation for about I want to say like maybe three to four weeks or something like that, he he just made that a, a point of emphasis. Like he made sure that he, he was gonna work on that game, on that part of his game. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 again, we're, we'll be closing up fairly soon. This is the Big Three NBA podcast with. Ashraf Blake and Gary Washburn, and our special guest today, Josue Pavone. Uh, wanted to shift really quick to the team that the Celtics will be facing, and that is the Indiana Pacers. And obviously, Halliburton is the 
the alpha. He, he's the, the one that makes that thing go. But besides him, who are some of the players or maybe even some of the issues that you're concerned with about that Indiana team? And Joseph, I wanted to start it off with you on that. Well, I mean, like I said from the top, when we first, you know, we're talking about the matchups, it, it, Buddy Heald has put together some incredible games and he's put together some incredible duds. Like, <laughs> I'm talking seven three-pointers one night and then scoring seven the next, you know what I mean? Like, oh, for, or, or, or one for six from behind the arc, you know? So when he's going from from three, it, it just, it really does change this team's, the the, the offense. He, he's not giving this, giving the Pacers a whole, a whole lot of other parts of, of what they need to to win the game, you know, maybe some rebounds here and there, uh, giving them extra possessions. But I, I really do think that he's the he's the difference maker. You know, if he doesn't have it, I, I really don't see this Pacers team winning this game. I, I don't see how they have enough, uh, you know, offensive firepower to, to counter their for what they lack on, on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah. Gary? Uh, I I think, I mean, they're, they average 127 points a game. So they put up the points. They have eight players who score an average and double figures. So they got a lot of weapons. You know, now they don't have a lot of consistent, like, you know, guys who are household names. Jalen Smith averages 10 points. Our friend Neesmith, 10 points off the bench. Um, Bruce Brown, 11 points. Obi Toppin, forgot that he's there now as a starter. Obviously, he spent a couple of years on the New York Knicks. Benedict McThorne is, in a, you know, you know, coming off a really good rookie season. They have a lot of guys who can score. And you just don't want not only Halliburton, but let's say Mathurin going for 30 or Heald hitting seven threes or Bruce Brown getting hot. Like you got to contain a lot of those guys. And I think rebounding is also important too. Don't let them get a lot of second chance points, uh, use their size. So I just think there's a lot of, lot of dangers here for this game. You know, a lot of things that could slip. The revenge factor after, you know, being losing by 51 points in the first game. And a team that can shoot, you know, that's not great, but, you know, from three-point line, but effective enough. Halliburton's 45% from three, so don't leave him alone. Heald, 40% from three. So, Neesmith, our friend, 44% from three this year. Remember, they, remember they thought they got their, the Celtics thought they got, got their shooter with Aaron Neesmith, and he couldn't hit the side of a barn and now he's coming into his own sign of extension in Indiana. Finally found a, a place that, you know, had more patience. Because I just think there was kind of like, we're we trying to win right now. I think it was the Celtics and Aaron, what you got for us? And he didn't have much besides, I, I play real hard on defense, and but I can't hit the three. So now to see him mature, probably, and I said beyond, you know, let's be honest. Some of these dudes just come out too early. And maybe Neesmith should have done another year at Vanderbilt maybe, you know, got his, you know, game and confidence together. But it's always that second team. Some of these guys find it. So if you're the the Celtics, you got to beware of a lot of, lot of weapons. Uh, Absolutely. In right. Indiana, Indiana, I said, they're not all yeah, that great. Scary. They're not all that great def- defensively. You know, they're, they're, they're a team that, that will, you know, allow a lot of points but they're also a team that will score a lot of points. And so what you don't want is 135-127. You know, they're last in the league in points allowed, 126. So you can shred their defense. They allow teams to shoot 45.8% from the field and 40% from three. So Celtics should have a field day. That's coming. The Celtics are fourth in points allowed. So the Celtics have the defense – 
right? And they allow they allow opponents to shoot 40%. So you're talking about two different worlds here, a great defensive team in the Celtics or a very good one and a terrible one in Indiana, but an offense that's high-powered. So you don't want one of those, you know, shoot shootouts where – like you said, Josue, Buddy Hill goes for, you know, 15, five threes in the fourth quarter and you end up losing. Absolutely. One of the wild cards I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, and, and again, his impact won't necessarily show up in the stat sheet, obviously, but I, I feel pretty confident that you're going to know he's in a building, and that's head coach Rick Carlisle, someone I've known for a number of years. Rick is not taking that 50-point ass whooping life. Uh, I guarantee you they will be playing a much better game, and Rick Carlisle's imprint on their play is going to be seven. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they deliver the best defensive game they have all season against the Celtics. Uh, would not surprise he me. Playing that that, he better be playing that, that game nonstop in the locker room. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I, I worry about that. Um, but the one thing I don't worry about is, folks, check it out, the Big 3 NBA podcast. And we are going to close things out here right now on that note. Uh, and again, before we, we head out, just another shout-out to Indeed.com, HelloFresh, and FanDuel. The exclusive wager partner of CLNS Media Network, where new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Uh, remember to download this latest episode of the Big 3 NBA podcast from all your favorite podcast apps. For Gary Washburn, Joe Sway, I am Mitch Rob Blakely. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you.